So, I just want to share with you that this past week, I joined the ranks of the Rewards Club. You know, points, rewards, miles, all that stuff, right? And, you know, we we have to make quite a few purchases here at the church, and we knew that we needed projectors. Have you guys noticed the difference? There is a severe difference. We have a new projector over here on the right, and we have that on the left. Um, And so we were able to, uh, uh, through certain capacity, uh, make this purchase. We're hoping to get the second one later this week. Well, I knew that this would be a pretty costly expense, and I'm thinking, you know, now's the time to get this, you know, get this card that we're going to do church purchases on, rather than just let all of this just go and make these purchases and, and not get any of this purchasing power behind us and, and not being good stewards and, and throwing away those opportunities. And so we went ahead, I went ahead and did that, and um, don't worry, it's on me. Uh, the financial chairman is like, what? I don't know anything about this. No, it's, it's, it's in my name, but we're going to utilize the advantages uh, for the church. And so one of the ways that that happened is they immediately gave you $50 cash back. You guys get rooked into that? You know, you get this instant. And that's not why we, we went and did this, but there was an advantage there. You got this $50. So I now have a, another seat in my office uh, so that we can seat four people in my office. And I'm very excited about that because there's four elders and one guy had to stand during all of our. No, I'm just kidding. So this past week, I'm, I'm looking at that and saying, okay, you know what, we're, we're being smart, we're being wise. We're heading into a time of wanting to instruct our people what it means to give. And so this week and next week, we're going to be looking at this issue of giving. Now, for many of you who have been part of church your whole life, you're thinking, okay, here comes Second Corinthians 9, here comes Malachi 3, we've heard all of this. And I, I started thinking about that. And then those of you that may not have all this background in church, you're thinking, of all the Sundays for me to pick to be here, he's going to speak on money. Now, let me just share with you. Last week, as I closed, I was praying over the offering. And I said something. Maybe that's why we're a little light today. Maybe, no, you know, I did offend some people. But I said something about, you know what? Yes, God is all about money. We should be all about money because that is an integral part of our life. And we can't just dismiss that, set that aside on a shelf and say, God, you can deal with this part of us, but you can't touch this part. Okay. And, and so we even encouraged you, hey, if you need, if you are in need and that plate's going by and it has cash in it, you reach in and you grab that cash. Do it. Just remember God's watching, but do it. And here's the fascinating thing. On a Sunday where we talked just Spur of the moment on that subject. Roger came to me earlier this week and said, we had the single greatest offering for Deacon's Fund that he can ever remember. We had $1,100 given for Deacon's Fund last Sunday. And, and in one level, 84 single bills. You know what that says to me? That that's somebody who doesn't have a lot of money probably. I'm just speculating. Probably doesn't have a lot of money and they've been saving up because they've been blessed in some way, some capacity, and they practiced what we're going to be preaching on today. So this morning, the title of the sermon is 
Percentages, rewards, points to your credit. You ready? Percentages, points, rewards to your credit. So this morning, I thought rather than go through this process of going to these verses, and, and, and we'll probably hit them next week. We'll hit a couple of them this week. I wanted to get to the root of what is really going on here when we struggle in the area of money and God. And I believe at the root of it is relationship. So I wanted to take us back to a passage that probably is never preached on when it comes to money and God. And that's Jeremiah 17, 5 through 10. But interestingly enough, one of the reasons I love this, this passage is that it speaks to everything in life. It speaks to everything as far as my relationship, my connection with those around me, myself and my God. And it puts into perspective who I am, who you are, and who God is. And so I can take any circumstance that I'm rolling through with life, and I can apply it to this passage, and it gives me an instantaneous reset on my, on my hard drive. It helps me defrag the hard drive and understand the priorities of life. And so this morning, I'm going to read it again, and then we're going to break it down into different sections. But before we do that, I just want to let you know that I am sensitive to this area in speaking on it. I'm not worried about speaking on it. I'm actually very excited. And younger people in the room, pay attention. Because you've probably gone a generation without people wanting to speak to this. There's a lot of pastors who don't want to speak to this because they're so worried that people will get offended, they'll, they'll not come back. So this morning, young people, listen to the importance of what it means to give. Not just financially, but you saw all the people stand that are giving their time. But we know, without a shadow of a doubt, that there are some stigmas out there about the church and money. And so we don't want to pretend that those aren't out there. We've gone out and we've done some interviews, kind of like some uh, you know, behind-the-camera interviews with people that you might know in the church or you might have heard of in the church. Let's go ahead and roll that now and let's see, uh, let's see who we might be talking about. I give to God by enjoying what He has given me. Okay? I mean, do you really think He expects something back? Now, I know there's a lot of people at church that would not understand this line of reasoning. That's why, just to make things simple and not to cause any controversy, I like to carry what I call the little empty envelope, all right? You see, when the plate gets passed, I bloop, put it in there like that. The deacon's counting the money. They only know me as the crazy empty envelope guy, but the people sitting around me, clueless. <laughs> I win, they win, God wins. No one gets hurt because no one knows. God knows. Huh? Let me ask you a question, huh? How's your mutual fund? Hey, for that matter, how's all your funds? Ha has the fund left your funds, huh? Has your do-re-mi taken a W-A-L-K, huh? <laughs> what if I told you that I knew about an investment you could make that the return would be mind-boggling? And, 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 it's, and it's promised. It's guaranteed. I know what you're saying. There's no guarantees. This one's guaranteed, okay? Malachi 3.10. So it says in the Old Testament. It says, test me. Give to God, and he will give you back. It goes like this. I give this. He gives this. I give this. He gives this. I give this. I'm right up there. He keeps giving. I can't outgive God. How crazy is that? <laughs> Do I love him? Sure, whatever. I'm just saying, if you give, <laughs> he gives back. I tithe. But just not like in the form of a 10% check, per se. Let me tell you what I mean. 
When I go to church on a Sunday morning, they're selling donuts, I buy some, boom, that's a tithe. When my whole Sunday school class wants donuts, and I, out of the goodness of my heart, buy a whole bunch for the Sunday school class, boom, that's another tithe. But it's not about me spending money. It's about the smile on people's faces. That, my friends, is tithe enough for me. Case in point, the church was having date nights where we could take our spouse out for an evening, and they were charging $25 for child care. Boom shakalaka tithe. I'll tell you what the biggest tithe was. When I spent over $100 on our meal, and my wife was grinning ear to ear, that, my friends, a tithe. I, w I would like to give. I would, okay? But everything right now is just crazy. I mean, just crazy, you know? I mean, not normal crazy, really crazy, you know? And if after I paid my bills and took care of the things that I need and want, then I would, I would <laughs> consider giving something, but not now is crazy. We're, we're, we're going to give later. We've already talked about it. I mean, down the road, we'll be crazy givers, but right now is just crazy. Yeah, I have money. That's a fact. But you know what? It's a hard thing between me and the Lord and the pastor because he needs to know what I'm giving now that we have this little building campaign going on, if you know what I'm saying. And pastor, I'd give a little bit more. I'd give a little something, something if you'd have that music minister sing a couple more hymns now and then, huh? Hey, what's this? Watch this. Is that a Benjamin? I think it is. Benji likes hymns. Come on. You want it? <laughs> Come on, pastor. Do what I say, huh? <laughs> oh, in my life, Lord, be glorified in me. I put money in the plate. Wait, wait, wait. Look what I have here. I hope it doesn't interfere. That everyone can hear how I give with cheer That everyone could be like me So I, I just want you to know I am fully aware of all the controversy that goes on with this subject as we enter in this morning. That's okay. That's okay. That just speaks to exactly what we're talking about. Uh, what, what the Scripture is talking about. That, that we as people, as men, that our hearts stumble around with greed and with just other areas that, that are less than, than godly. But when we focus on God and we do what God is asking for, it develops relationship with Him. It develops relationship with Him. So let's read the passage this morning, shall we? Jeremiah 17, 5-10. It says this, again, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man, and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. Sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? And that's the person that trusts in themselves, turns away from the Lord. But there's more. Verse 7 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. 
The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So when it comes to giving, it isn't about... See if I can get this to forward. It isn't about what I can do. When it comes to giving, it isn't about what I can do. Remember Ephesians 3.20. We'll get to that in a moment. But look at what God is saying here is that if I trust in myself about what I can do, I trust in my own what? I trust in my flesh. I trust in my strength. What can I do? And one of the biggest hindrances that we will hear come from our own lips is when it comes to the issue of giving to God. By the way, you'll, you'll rarely hear me say tithing. And you'll hear about that a little bit this week, definitely next week. When it comes to giving towards God, often what I hear out of my own lips is, I, I can't. In my own strength, I can't. I can't look at the balance sheet, the budget sheet, and say, there's something here. I can do this. Or if I feel convicted to give more than what I normally would be able to give, I look and I say, this is all that I have. This is all I can give. I can't meet this conviction. I can't meet this dream that God's laying on my heart. I can't. Scripture says, if I look at myself, I will continually say, I can't, I can't, I can't. Because I'm trying to do it in whose strength? My own strength. Rewards. Now, you heard one of our, one of our wonderful, uh, what was it, the investment giver? Right? You can't outgive God. And Malachi 3 has often been used in prosperity circles. If you give, you will what? You will receive. You'll get more and more and more. And it's fascinating how the guys who preach that just keep getting what? More and more and more. Folks, we're not stupid. Well, some might be. I'm a little stupid. But most pastors, preachers aren't stupid. They know how to manipulate a congregation. They know how to build a kingdom. I'll just promise you that in, in God's strength, not my strength, that will never happen here. This is not a message to manipulate you at all. This is a message to get us in a confluence of understanding of worship towards God in the area of giving. If for whatever reason you feel any kind of uh, connection or conviction to make a change today or, or next week, please don't predicate it off anything I say. I will promise you, as one who needs your money to survive, I don't need your money. God is looking to do a work with you and for you to participate with Him. And that's where we want to get to. But please don't ever give based off of rewards. Don't ever give based off of rewards. Because then it's a manipulative gift, right? How many of you have ever received one of those gifts? Maybe a birthday or Christmas, right? My wife received one of those gifts for our anniversary. I got her a vacuum. It's the worst mistake I ever made as far as gifts. Now, okay, I hear the... the it's not the Holy Spirit saying, Dodge, just Treya, Okay? But she loves to vacuum. I really thought I was doing something wonderful there. I really thought I was, but I learned my lesson. 
Now it's just Starbucks cards. So cheaper than vacuums, you know. So I thought I was doing something good. Don't give off of rewards. Next, percentages. All right? You guys know, some of you know that, that in the Old Testament, we see this idea of the tithe. And it was 10%. And Jesus addresses it with the Pharisees about their giving according to the tithe, but He does so in a critical way. And they were that, what, what was the, the pageant giver? <laughs> Mr. Jazz Hands, right? That that's what the Pharisees were doing. They were letting everybody know exactly how much they were giving. You see, there was a treasury box that was there outside the temple, and people would know when you were giving. But they would make a big, dramatic pageant of it. So people would know. Percentages. I don't know. This, this is what I have to say about percentages. And, and so come back next week so I can give some more legitimate effort towards this idea of tithing. Percentages all have to do with the cross, in my opinion. In my opinion. How much percentage of Jesus did you want hanging on the cross? Just a small portion? 2%? Two percent of his blood covering our sin. You want wanted Jesus to give maybe, I don't know, fifteen percent. That's admirable when it comes to tithing, right? Jesus gives fifteen percent of his time in his ministry over three years. You see, I'm trying to break down all of these normal terms we talk in because what my message today is is counterproductive. It's not to our credit. Giving is not to our credit. Giving is an act of worship where we get to participate with God. And so I think it's dynamic, it's not static. It is an exercise for you to engage with God. And that is worship. So percentages, toss them out. Points, let's look at verse 9 when it comes to points. Let's go back to it. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. This is who people are. I won't, I won't go into the vitriol that I could lay out. I'll give you one example. This past week, in, 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 this, in the span of one day, there was a sting operation on the Internet. And um, I don't remember what servant, maybe FBI, set up a fake 12-year-old girl on the Internet and within one day, 20,000. 20,000 attempts. And I, you know what I'm going to say. I don't need to go there. The heart is desperately wicked. If you are hearing from people or you believe that people are inherently or basically good, folks, the Scripture speaks truth. People are not inherently good. The heart desires its own satisfaction. That's sin. That's what we push back against. And what this Scripture is saying is if we try to do that in our own strength, even when it comes to giving, we'll never succeed. But if we do this trust in God, and did you notice the second line in verse 7? It says, whose trust is God. Not just that our trust is in God, but it is God. It's our essence of how we decide everything. Then we will bear fruit. Then we will never lose our leaves. 
no matter what comes our way, points? Yes. I signed up this past week. And I'm getting points. But that's not how our spiritual life works. Engage with the Lord when it comes to giving about what He is about. And we'll get to that in a minute. The question is, do you want to be a shrub? You like my picture? We're getting close to... This one is so much better, isn't it? Do you people feel ripped off over here? I feel badly. I feel badly. But see, that's what you get when you trust in me. Get that screen right there. Let's move on. When it comes to giving, it is about what God can do. Verses 7 and 8. Let's go back and look at it. But blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord, or whose trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord, He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again so you understand how those words fulfill a promise in a practical way. Uh, Janine and I were blessed for years to go to a beach house right on the sand, uh, a series of five different beach houses and we would take my my high school and junior high staff out for staff retreat and then our family was able to stay for the rest of the week and we would do it over spring break these are not your dumpy beach houses folks these are the houses that as you're looking up and down the beach and you see that one you say i wish i could stay in that one we didn't have the money to stay in one of those houses and yet god provided for my staff so we could have an incredible time together. It was, a, it was a big enough house that it could house all of us. We were blessed. But the story gets much larger than that. You see, the owners of those beach houses was a couple that was just like anybody sitting in here. They didn't have any money. But they attended a missions conference at a church that we met at. And they were challenged to give above and beyond. They felt the Lord calling them to give above and beyond. And so they both separately went to prayer Again, worship, right? Worship through giving. What is it that you want to do, God? Not what can I do, but what do you want to do, God, through us? And when we do that, it goes to this idea of Ephesians 3.20, right? Much more abundantly than we could ever possibly think of. And for this particular couple, God wanted to manifest His glory so that maybe even right in this moment, you can be encouraged to see what God can do. Not that He's going to give you and I beach houses. He may, I don't know, but... So that He can be glorified. So that He can be glorified. What ended up happening is the couple went to prayer separately. They both came back. This would be like Janine and I going to prayer over this. And they both came back with the same number and the same duration of time. One million dollars to give to missions above and beyond their normal giving in one year. And they they just couldn't shake it. They couldn't believe it. They're like, Lord, how... That's impossible. That is impossible. To shorten the story, they weren't getting very far very quick. And shortly after they had been praying about this, he lost his job. As a matter of fact, things got so badly, they almost lost their house. Yet in the forefront of their mind, they still had this commitment and they kept praying and kept praying and kept praying. 
Through the loss of his job, a gentleman at his church found out about his dire straits and offered him a career change opportunity. He went into financial counseling. Found out that he was really good at it. End of story. Within a year, they had a million dollars above and beyond that they were able to give. And so they gave it to the Jesus Film Project people. And those people, in their wisdom, said, rather than just giving a simple million dollars, why don't we use an investment strategy? We'll invest in real estate. So they bought one beach house. And this was back when, in the 90s, the the real estate had tanked and it was on its way back up. They then used those beach houses to rent out, so they bought two beach houses. Now they have two beach houses renting out, then they bought three beach houses. And then they would have missions conferences in these beach houses throughout the year, ministering to missionaries and having conferences because they're so big. When they got all said and done, I believe they had a total of five beach houses. I can't even begin to fathom the amount of money as they started to sell those off eventually and give that money to be liquidated and utilized for sending the gospel around the world. They never saw it coming. And if you'd asked if they trust in themselves, it isn't about that. When it comes to giving, it is about what God can do. It is about what God can do. More abundantly, you've heard my passage out of Ephesians 3.20 this morning that God can do far above and beyond what we would ever think of But again, as I tell you that story about the beach houses in this family, you would never have known it. You never would have known if you had been friends with them or just mild acquaintances at church that they had all of this tied up in real estate and what they were doing. It did not change them because it was to His glory. It was magnified to Him. They kept giving it away to Him and let Him do what He wants to do with it. But they experienced the blessing of that. Another story that fits with that, and and you can turn there if you want. I'm just going to paraphrase it out of John 21. And let me give you a picture of this real quickly as we'll come back to this. Let me me flip through this. So here's the John 21 passage. And it's the part where Jesus has resurrected. He's come back and he's there on the north shore of the Galilee. And he's making breakfast and he sees the disciples early in the morning out in the boat fishing. And he calls out to them and says... Have you caught anything? And they said, no, nothing. And he says, cast on the right side of the boat. And what happens is that their nets are so filled, they can barely bring the nets onto the boat. It almost capsizes the boat. And yet the Lord even protects the nets from ripping. That would have been their livelihood. The Lord can do far more abundantly than you could possibly imagine if it's to His glory. And it is to His glory. Now, I don't know about this picture. I don't know if this picture is to His glory. These things always crack me up. You're probably going to have to look on the other screen over here. It looks like Jesus saying, Hey guys, come on over here. I got some fish. Hey guys. I don't know. I I saw that and I just had to put it up there. I, I don't think it looked exactly like that. But that's probably close. Let's go back here real quickly and hit these other points. We need to participate with God. Look at verse 10. When, it, when you look at giving under the understanding and aspect that it, what it is, it's about participating with God. It's not about what I can do. It's about participating with God. He says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Now, this is the concluding thought on, on this parenthetical section of Scripture. And it says that we in our our efforts and our strength can do nothing. We end up being like a shrub. 
That when circumstances come that are difficult, we dry up. We can't bear fruit. But if we turn to the Lord and we trust in Him, then we're left without any excuse and we flourish. And no matter what the circumstances in our life, just like the couple who, who thought that they were supposed to give a million dollars, their circumstances became dire, but their trust was God. And the Scripture says that they will never cease to bear fruit. My encouragement for you this morning is to participate. This couple knows what it means to worship God because of what they walk through. And you don't have to have it be about a million dollars. I use that for a grandiose attention getter. It could be something very, very simple. There are those of you in this church that as certain things have fallen apart for us, a car, a refrigerator, a child, who knows? You have reached out and blessed us when there hasn't been a resource. We weren't expecting, you know, huge car repair bill. Or we weren't expecting a refrigerator to blow out. And all of a sudden the next day, without making a big deal about it, we find a new refrigerator on our front door. And the door was crushed. The way I said that just didn't sound right, did it? Yeah, the new refrigerator on the door... God says that He will give according to His ways. He will give to you and I according to our ways. If we serve Him, if we make it about Him, if we make it about participating with Him and the relationship with Him, it leaves me without excuse in any action of giving. This morning, continuing on, let me give you the next line. It's all about the incentives, right? When they want you to sign up for the card, it's all about the incentives. And uh, I have an incentive, an extra chair in my office right now. This passage reflects our relationship. That it's about not saying what I can't do. It's about, what's, about saying what God can do through me for His glory, not for my glory. For His glory, not for my glory. How do we deal with that? Well, we have to trust God. That's what the Scripture says implicitly and explicitly. We have to trust God. What else? You have to love God. How much more inclined are you willing to sacrifice for someone you love and care for than a stranger? You're more inclined. Now, many of us are moved to compassion to reach out to strangers and that's great. And, and most of the time, hopefully that's because the Holy Spirit's prompting us to do that. But I got to tell you, there's nothing like those people that you love. What would you do for them? I'm here to tell you that I think all of the excuses go away when it comes to giving. It's a, it's a leveler of the playing field when we start to look at this idea. If we simply love God, when we start to understand it's about trusting Him, then we get it. We get it. It's about obeying God. It's about doing what He asks. So the question might be begged, okay, where does God tell me that I, I, I need to give? Well, it's, it's explicit throughout the Old Testament. I'll, I'll give you some of those references next week. But it's the way Jesus examined things in, in, in light of those Pharisees, those pageant givers, right? He sees a, 
widow walk up and give her last piece of metal. I mean, it, that, that's the basic way to say it. it. It's as far as its worth, its value. It's probably better to see it as a piece of metal rather than its numeric value. It's called a widow's might. And that's all she had. And she gave everything. And the Lord looks upon her and speaks about her with honor. With great appreciation. Jesus sets this pattern of sacrifice and of giving that transcends not just the issue of money, but of who we are in our relationships. To obey Him, He says, where your treasure is, there will your what? There will your heart be also. There will your heart be also. We'll see some scripture in a little bit that speaks explicitly about giving. We'll come back to this. This is also the relationship. The incentive is about relationship with God. It is about relationship with God. Let me ask you, for those who might be a little more seasoned in life, your children call you and say, hey, I'm in a bind. You know, I need some money. Now, let's just say they haven't asked you already 400 times. All right. This is the first time. Your heart is one that wants to give. Your heart is one that wants to develop a, de- a depth of provision. That attitude, that idea begins, just begins to paint the picture of who God is for us. And so when we talk about it being relationship, that when we see God give to us supernaturally, it causes us to worship. It causes us to worship. This past week when Roger saw what happened through God's power through this local congregation to take care of people, it caused him to worship and praise God. It caused us to share that information with other people to the glory of God. That's worship. That's worship. That's where you get to stand and be proud of who your God is because of what He does through His people and for His people. This is the greater concept. Do you get it? This is the greater concept. Rather than percentages. Rather than points. Rewards. It's about worship. Let that direct your heart and your thinking when it comes to giving. Our spending reflects our heart. Ouch. Can we skip over this slide, please? I'm saying that for myself. How so? Well, let me ask you this question. How much did you spend on coffee this week? Okay, I got given a gift card, so I have an excuse. I got a gift card from one of my players, and that should set me up for quite a a while. But whenever I get, you know, I was talking about that, reaching out to people and and wanting to do something for, for people. When I get coffee gift cards like at Christmas and stuff, I usually just pass them to my wife because she loves coffee. And, and she really enjoys that. And I'm not that big on, on all that stuff. And so, you know, I make it sound like I'm really sacrificing, but I'm not. I'm not. I just really, you know. So, how much did you spend on coffee this week? Just coffee. Versus, did 
Did you have that argument with yourself as you got in the Starbucks line? Oh, I really just don't have the money for this. Oh, you know, things are crazy right now. <laughs> right? I don't think we had that. And if we did, people moved away from us. What about upgrades? You know, some of the reasons that we, we give as to why we can't give it's fascinating how we say we can't give, there's, there's nothing to give, but wow, we might have some of the latest and greatest technology, whatever it would be, and we need that. So we can get those score updates immediately. What about even providing for others? Let me make this easy, right? Let me make this nice. Maybe, you know, our, our heart reaches out to providing for others. We're, we're giving to others. And that's a great thing. What does your balance statement reflect on purchases? And so when we say, when those words come, ah, there's just, you know, there's not, I wish there was, go back and look at your balance statement. There is at least a third of the world that lives off uh, this statistic's always changing, so don't hold me to it. But I, I've been told $23 a year. Maybe not a third of the world, but in, in third world countries, there's areas they live off $23 for a year. But we have a culture that creates more and more need for us to live a quality of life. How many saw that the owner of Panera decided to live off $4.58 a day as, as a commitment towards world hunger. That made headlines. Right? Who could live off $4.58 a day? Now, I don't know all the parameters of that. I don't know if that includes his electrical bill. He's living in a tent somewhere. So, you know, some of the things that we spend money on, I don't know how that iPhone got up there. It's all about the incentives. Incentive to give us a result of spiritual fruit. Inspiration. It's a result of spiritual fruit. Let me tell you what that looks like. Um, let me encourage you. This idea of stop trusting yourself and, and start trusting in God. What does it look like? What, what do the incentives make giving synonymous with worship? Let me share with you just some of the things that are happening here at Conquer Bible. These are just some of the things. These are, these are things that are happening right now. There's going to be 15 people going to build two houses for two families in Mexico in the next four weeks. Somebody gave $2,500 to make that happen. We didn't ask for that. Somebody did that as an act of worship. Do you have any idea how much that encourages me? How that inspires me? How that should inspire you? I know it inspires the team. It's going to inspire two families in Mexico that are in need. There are roughly X amount of boxes. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of boxes over in the fireside room right now where you as a church have gathered to send a, a precious box as a Christmas gift to a child somewhere around the world that's going to receive something that they otherwise wouldn't for Christmas with a gospel message about who Jesus is inside that box. I think we're up to at least 25 boxes over there. There was a banquet this past week with families from AYSO. I already shared with you about that. And look at what God did with that. 
He gave us a good projector. You provided for roughly 55 children to attend day camp this summer. And many of those children accepted the Lord as their personal Lord and Savior. Our ministry team, Laura, Janine, the rest, were able to minister to the parents of those, of those families because of what you gave. It cost us roughly $22,000 above and beyond, above and beyond our budget to run Lifetime this summer. And we came out in the black. That's worship. Because of giving through our uh, uh, facility, we'll be blessed to gather at the Concord Center for our Thanksgiving dinner. That's another portion of that $2,000 is that, ironically, they used to hold their banquet at Concord Center and it cost them too much, so they wanted to hold it here. And they give us $2,000, we get a new projector and we get to go over there and have our banquet. When God moves in mysterious ways, folks, I don't get it. But we no longer fit here. That's phenomenal. We no longer fit in this room for a banquet. And yet look at what God did. That's worship. Today, we'll be giving someone in our church that's in need $300 from the deacon's fund. Because somebody, or many of you last week, gave $1,100. That's worship. It's not about percentages, right? It's about worship. It's about worship. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, 8 is one of the typical passages. And in closing this morning, I'm going to encourage you to participate in giving as a spiritual exercise. We're going to blow this out a little bit more next week, so please come and, and take notes and implement this strategy, this not just a strategy, this spiritual walk of life into your, your attitude of worship. And, and one of the key points of this that, that Paul says, according to God, according to Scripture, is that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. That we shouldn't be doing this when we're giving. When you're inspired to give, God leads you and you are excited. There's no hesitation. And the Lord says, if there's a hesitation, don't give. Folks, that tells me that from God's perspective, this is supposed to be an attitude of worship. Does that make sense for you? He wants relationship through this action. He doesn't want just simple, didactic, robotic obedience. When it comes to giving, I guess what I'm saying, or what God is saying, is that this isn't to be seen necessarily as obligation. It's to be seen as your expression of worship. Let me close with just a couple ideas. In Jeremiah 17.10, we see these words, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give Every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. God wants to give to you and through you. You can write that down. God wants to give to you and through you. What the Scripture tells me is that that's according to my deeds. And that if I'm focused on what I can do or what I can't do, I'm going to end up like that shrub. But if I focus on what He can do and I trust in Him, then who knows what He's going to do? 
Who knows what he's going to do. But the one thing I want to make sure is that this is an attitude of worship between himself and myself. That's got to be primary. Rewards related to your participation with God. You heard me kind of poo-poo rewards earlier. But there are rewards. A deeper relationship with the Lord. Get involved and start watching those rewards pile up. All right? Let me close in prayer. I'm going to pray for the offering. And the band's going to come and dismiss us in worship. Again, uh, those that are here to participate in the, um, in the Samaritan's Purse, Operation Christmas Child, uh, after you have some time of food on the deck, we'll be gathering in the fireside room to go ahead and do our wrapping party. Um, and uh, we look forward to that. Very excited. Please jump on with the Thanksgiving dinner. Go sign up. Get your names down for some food. But reach out to those around you that could use some encouragement. That could use hearing from the Lord. Because they're going to hear from God at the Thanksgiving dinner. Set that time aside. Make it a priority. Let's go ahead and pray this morning. God, we ask that this passage would open our eyes, open our minds to... When it, when it comes to the attitude of giving, that it becomes, and if it already is, that it is enlightened, it is um, deepened an attitude of worship. And that as we seek to do so, Lord, that we honor You with it, and that God, it deepens our relationship with You, that there's a participation that happens. And that the reward in effect to giving becomes a depth of love and gratitude. We thank You, Father, that it's not because of our hearts who will always see what we cannot do. The Father, in spite of those hearts, You are willing to reach to us, to utilize us, to engage with us, to participate with us, and that You desire to give to us. We praise You for that, Father. And so as we present as an act of worship our gifts to You this morning, use those mightily, use those to Your glory, use those effectively. We thank You and praise You for those that have been so faithful to engage with You in this act of worship. Encourage all of us to seek what it is You want to do in our lives. And I thank You, Lord, that through Your people You have provided for this church and way beyond that. Thank You, Lord God, that we are not struggling financially. Bless those that have helped us in that area and that that have been responsible to Listen to your voice and participate with you. Thank you, Lord, to your glory. Amen.